You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live on a Monday morning game week. Uh, the we actually haven't come up with a name for this. Let's let's try to think of this live on the air now. It's uh, it's the big kickoff Spartan week. It's the big uh, big noon Maybe kickoff Spartan. I don't know. In honor of uh, fans being involved with this episode, let's throw it out there on Twitter. What should we call the big week? of uh four five i don't know maybe kevin will put out eight podcasts this week yeah we're so we're gonna get it's gonna be crazy this week uh we actually just recorded it we're recording here over the weekend it's a sunday and we recorded a couple yesterday we're doing some today and we're gonna wind up with four episodes this week i know you're used to the normal monday thursday schedule um but you know in, in the event of the season finally kicking off here uh, we wanted to really pepper you with some episodes. So we got to think of a better name of it. I want to, like big noon kickoff, the big Spartan kickoff. I don't know. We'll, we'll send it out on Twitter. Maybe you guys have some ideas. But uh, today, of course, we're starting with the superlative awards. Tomorrow, you'll get the Big Ten preview. Uh, we ended up, we wanted to do the Big Ten preview and the Michigan State preview game by game together. But uh, we ended up just kind of, you know, rolling on the Big Ten. So we we split that up. So kind of the schedule, how it's going to lay out here today will be the superlative awards, which we did on Twitter over the weekend. Uh, tomorrow, you'll hear the Big Ten preview and our predictions. We do have the Michigan State record predictions. So as you're listening tomorrow, you'll get, uh, we've, we followed some storylines around the Big Ten as well as predicting every game for Michigan State. Uh, but you'll have to wait until Wednesday to really hear our breakdown. So as far as from a Michigan State perspective, you'll get the tease uh, tomorrow on how we think the team's going to fi- uh, finish up with record-wise. But on Wednesday, we'll give you more of an in-depth breakdown of each of the games on the schedule. And Thursday we will be diving deep into the week one Rutgers game Saturday noon kickoff in Spartan stadium. So um, again, we'll, we'll find a name for this week because it's going to be a little crazy. We got four episodes, double the usual output, but uh, really excited here. Scott, as we're recording, we're six days away. We're Matt Trannon days away from MSU football. As you guys are listening, we're five, uh, let's see off the top of my head, Drew Stanton days away from MSU football. So uh, how are you feeling? Hey, it it struck me today. Uh, We got through yesterday, last Saturday without MSU football, hopefully until uh, December, January, however that all shakes out. But uh, it's officially game week. We can say that for the first time since, uh, you know, the Wake Forest game, the Pinstripe Bowl last year. And uh, yeah, it's been overdue obviously a long time coming a lot longer than anybody expected uh over the off season and you know with everything going on I am just so psyched to have a game to watch this weekend you know I know we've said before off air that we just want one game this year just show us what Mel Tucker's got show us what he's going to roll out onto the field and uh, obviously hoping for a full season but uh just seeing the green and white back on the field is exciting I know it, it does like it. I don't know. I don't know if it's really hit me yet that we're going to really see our team on Saturday because 
I think for me, like I've been watching most of the college football that's been going on over the last few weeks. And I've almost gotten used to just, I've detached myself from the Detroit lions. I know it's very hard to do anybody from the Detroit area is, is probably a little bit jealous, but on Sundays, I just watch red zone. I don't watch the lions and I've completely just acknowledged that my Sundays don't include the Detroit lions anymore. And I, I, I haven't gotten that far with Michigan state, but I got to a certain point where it's just like, I'm starting to get used to just watching random college football games on Saturday without focusing in on Michigan state. And that's all going to come to an end, thankfully this Saturday. And I, I can't wait to see what Mel Tucker and the boys are going to roll out there when we roll the helmets out against Rutgers. So um, let's, let's get into the episode today though. We have the superlative awards. Um, I did, I, I will hand up uh, for everybody that was voting on Twitter uh, there's a couple of these I probably should have explained a little bit more that I will uh, at least give you a little more context. I, I think some of them were pretty self-explanatory, but um, if you were kind of confused as to what exactly you were voting on, I apologize. Uh, but we do have some votes. We do have the awards and we will be giving those out. Uh, we'll get Scott's opinion. We'll get my opinion of of how this thing shakes out. And we're going to start here with the Darquez Denard National Award Contender Award. Uh, so this is obviously in honor of Darquez Denard, who won the, uh, now I'm blanking off the top of my head, the Defensive Back Award of the Year is the Thorpe, Jim Thorpe Award. And, uh, you know, this is the guy who is really going to be putting his name out there as a contender for one of these national awards. Pretty self-explanatory. Our nominees, Antoine Simmons, linebacker, Elijah Collins, running back, uh, the safety, Xavier Henderson, and the center, Matt Allen, who was recently put on a Remington Award watch list. So, Scott, I want to get your take here. What do you think should be the winner of this award, and what do you think the fans voted if you were taking a pulse of Spartan Nation? Yeah, I mean, it's a... it's a tough one to predict. Obviously, you know, they, it feels like they put just about a million people on the uh, preseason watch list for this, uh, for all these awards. Um, so, I mean, me personally, I'm, there's, there's a couple things to consider. One is obviously the expectation of how I think they'll perform throughout the year. And the other is, you know, what kind of competition level is there at their position? Is it a position that you get a lot of great athletes? Um, and so it's, it's a tough one to, to predict, but I'm going to go with Matt Allen. Um, he's got the pedigree. He's got a lot to lean on. A lot of obviously great resources in his family. Bloodlines um, matter. Bloodlines. Uh, he's a thoroughbred, you know, offensive lineman who's been at Michigan State for a long time. He's been one of the centerpieces to the offensive line for a couple of years now. And uh, yeah, I expect big things from him. I think he's going to be a big leader. I think Chris Kapilovich is going to lean on him quite a bit to get some of these younger guys comfortable in their new positions and uh, getting this running game rolling. So. I expect a big year from him. I think uh, the trendy pick is probably Antoine Simmons. I think he's pretty clearly the big name on defense coming into this year uh, as far as, you know, our fan circles go. So um, we'll see. But, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine Simmons soaked up a lot of those votes. Right. So as the host, I have the envelope here. Scott has no idea who the fans have voted for. And let's open up the envelope, see who won the Darquez Denard National Award Contender Award. We have Antoine Simmons, the linebacker. This would have been my pick as well. I think with Micah Parsons out at Penn State, with uh, a lot of guys that have graduated around the country, and with the production that Antoine Simmons has had, um, I think there's a real opportunity for him. Uh, he's, he's one of those guys that he's going to rack up the tackles. He's going to get in the backfield and get a lot of production as far as sacks and tackles for loss. And so when you look at somebody who's going to fill that stat sheet, I think he's somebody who's certainly in the, in the territory there. I mean, Elijah Collins, I love him. Uh, he finished second place with 22%. Antoine Simmons, by the way, 61% of the vote. So he ran away with this thing. Elijah Collins was 22%. I just think there's a lot of great running backs around the country. I mean, Travis yep. Etienne is dominating at Clemson. I, I think mm -hmm. Elijah Collins going to have a nice year, but you know, to really contend for that, I don't know. Matt Allen came in third with 13%. 
Xavier Henderson with a couple of votes there at 4% to round it out. So what yeah, do you I think expect, about the, uh, the results here? I mean, I expect to hear Simmons' name quite a bit in this episode. Like I said, he's a popular name. He's a guy that we're going to rely on, and we know you know what he brings to the table. Um, and, you know, linebackers at Michigan State have a long history of, uh, you know, being dominant, being national names. Obviously, everyone listening probably knows the list of guys that have come before him. So um, and, and we still have Trestle on the staff, who was our linebackers coach, obviously moved to safeties. But we have him and we have Scotty Hazleton, who I just think is, is a really great hire, all things considered. And uh, I think Simmons will be the leader of the defense, like you said, and he's going to have pretty much free reign to, uh, you know, cover the whole field yeah and and a lot of times these like ap voters and the voters who are voting for these awards let's be honest they're not watching every single snap of every single game but what they do know is that they can attach a helmet to a position and say yeah he's probably pretty good you know if you have a offensive lineman at alabama they're just going to assume yeah he's good i like him so i think linebacker at michigan state maybe is developing into one of those spots So next up here, the Charles Rogers Impact First Year Starter Award. This one, again, pretty self-explanatory. Who's going to have the biggest impact as their first year starting for the green and white, named after the great Charles Rogers, rest in peace, who in his first season at Michigan State as a starter had like 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns, like lit the world on fire, lit the college football world on fire at least. And, uh, man, he was, he was so good. It was just ridiculous. When I was growing up, that was the guy, uh, we have four nominees here. We have a receiver, Jaden Reed coming in from Western Michigan, not his first year starting in college football, but definitely his first year starting in the green and white Trey Mosley, who did play quite a bit last year, but never really cracked that starting lineup. Uh, otherwise, you know, not including injuries. He, he might've started the one game against Maryland, Chase Klein, who's looking to be starting in that outside linebacker, and Julian Barnett, who will be starting for the first time at corner. Scott, what are you thinking here? Yeah, this is a tough one. I like all four of these guys, um, and and they all bring, obviously, certain things to the table. Personally, I think the biggest impact is going to be from Jaden Reed. Um, He has a lot of experience from Western Michigan. I think he's an extremely confident player. He's got a a really diverse skill set. Um, he can play inside, he can play outside, and he's, he's the type of weapon that Michigan State has not always had on their roster. He's a guy who has, you know, the size and the athletic ability to compete for one-on-one balls, but at the same time, he can play on the outside and stretch the field. You know, a name that comes to mind is like an Aaron Burbridge. Um, you can line him up in the slot, you can run, you know, an outside corner out, um, you can line him up outside, he can run flies, or he can run screens underneath. I think they're really going to love his athleticism. Obviously, a lot has been made of Mel Tucker's staff and their love for um, really athletic players. And I think as we're trying to institute a scheme, guys are getting comfortable with things. This is a guy who could, who's going to be able to really rely on his athleticism uh, to make a ton of plays, to take a lot of pressure off a quarterback and, and give quarterback, whoever the quarterback ends up being, um, you know, an option to just throw the ball out to a one-on-one matchup and uh, trust him to make a play. Um, as far as, uh, what I think the fans will vote for, it's a tough choice. Uh, like I said, all four of these guys are, are obviously looking to have a big year. I know Julian Barnett has a lot of buzz, uh, but he will be in his first year in college at his position. So I wouldn't be surprised if the fans agreed with me on this one. So we have the envelope here. The Charles Rogers impact first year starter award goes to. Jaden Reed with 70% of the vote running away with this one. We have a couple blowout winners. Um, I I agree. Jaden Reed, I think is going to make a big impact. He's somebody who look the last few years, we've had a couple guys who fit a very specific role. I think Felton Davis was that red zone one-on-one, you know, throw the ball up to him and he'll win a 50, 50 ball, but maybe not the most dynamic athlete out there. You had Cody white, you know, really solid possession receiver, ran a good route, ran a clean route and found a soft spot in the zone. But again, wasn't that dynamic athlete. Jaden Reed, it looks like you might get a combination of both of those in addition to some breakaway athleticism where you can play him in the return game. You can get him the ball on a screen and he can take it 70 yards to the house. So 
I agree with this one. Julian Barnett with 20% uh, was in second place here. Chase Klein got a couple votes at 10%. Trey Mosley with 0%. That was pretty surprising. I thought wow. that, you know, if, if people were really high on Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley is a guy that I predicted to lead the team in receptions. I think he's going to have a big year. So I guess it depends on people's, you know, definition of, of impact. It, it depends on how you think that these guys are going to impact the game, but yeah, Jaden Reed run away with it. Yeah, I like it. I think they're going to, like I said, get him involved all over the field. Um, you know, assuming fingers crossed, he stays healthy. Um, he's going to be, you know, a name that's continuing to, uh, obviously make the rounds throughout this season. The next up, we got the other than U of M game. You are looking forward to award. Of course, if we had any kind of game you're looking forward to and Michigan was involved, it would run away with hundred percent of the votes. So we wanted to make this a little bit more interesting. We gave you Rutgers. Of course, the week one we're we're just waiting and waiting. And in addition to that, it's one that we should probably win. So it's uh, I thought a good nominee. Indiana is up there. That should be a, a good competitive game. It's at home. You have at Iowa, uh, the, the first good, I guess, Michigan's on the road, but another good road test early in the season against a, a team that we should be competitive. This should be a game that goes down to the fourth quarter. And then I threw on Ohio state to see if people might bite on, uh, you know, just, Hey, I, I want to see Ohio state out there running around, or maybe like, some bold fans who think, Hey, this is an upset alert early December. Look out. Uh, so given those four choices, Scott, what are you thinking? And what do you think the fans are at? Yeah. Another tough one. Um, I think if you asked this, asked me this a month ago, I would have said at Iowa, uh, being that it's a tough game on the road, it's, it's kind of a measuring stick, uh, for one of those mid range, good, not great big 10 programs where, you know, if you if you are a real good Big Ten team, you're looking to win this game. Um, and if you're struggling a bit, you'll probably, you know, being on the road, you may drop it. So it's a great measuring stick. I would have picked that. But as the season grew closer and closer, I mean, I'd be lying to myself if I said I was, you know, Rutgers didn't take this one. I'm just dying to see this team on the field. Like I said, I'm dying to see how Tucker rolls it out, what kind of schemes we're running, where the players line up. And I'm a little bit interested to see how Rutgers does under a new coach, a coach who obviously coached them before and quote unquote resurrected them. Um, if, you know, seven, eight win seasons are a resurrection, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just so psyched to see this team on the field. And uh, as every week has gone by now, every day, an hour and minute ticks by, I just uh, can't wait to see the green and white out there against uh, the Scarlet Knights. Um, I think the fans are, probably going to agree with me on this one too just given how long we've waited for a game so we do have the results here for the other than u of m game you are looking forward to award and we have at iowa with 55 percent of the vote um i i was with you i i thought the Rutgers game as well just because again, it's been so long and we've seen so many other college football games going on. And it's like, let's just get our guys out there. I'm sick of seeing other people without seeing the green and white. Uh, but at Iowa, that's a good pick. This is somebody that is a team that should be a good road test. You have look the, the Rutgers game week one, I think we can all agree should be a win. We're 11 and a half point favorites in Vegas. Um, you have the Michigan game week two, and then you, you come out, right away with this game where we're probably going to be one and one going into Iowa. So is this going to be the game that can put us above 500 and, you know, just keep a little bit of momentum rolling into the early season, or is this going to be one where, Hey, maybe we drop one to Michigan and then maybe we drop one to Iowa and then things might start snowballing a little bit. This is a big kind of swing game in this season, in the schedule, the way it plays out. We have Iowa at 55%. Rutgers came in second with 35% of the vote, Indiana 10% and zero votes for Ohio state. That doesn't really surprise me. I I'm, I would be surprised if somebody was really looking forward to that game. Cause I'm certainly not. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious to see it. Uh, obviously it's, it's always great to see your team and how they measure up to an elite talent like Ohio state, but I don't think there's going to be too many Spartan fans in a particularly great mood about their football team uh, at the end of the day that day. 
Yeah, I think that Ohio State game is going to look a lot more like 2017 than it did 2015. And uh, we we remember both of those games very well for very opposite reasons. So that doesn't really surprise me that nobody's looking forward to that one. Next up, the BJ Cunningham Don't Forget About Me Award. Uh, This one probably could have used a little bit more context. Uh, BJ Cunningham for as little as we think about him in the in the realm of like spartan legends he's msu's all-time leading receiver uh, and i'm pretty sure it's in catches yards and touchdowns I, the guy just was consistent consistently put up numbers year in year out had the one big year with kirk cousins at the end of his career but he's just not looked at when you think about the great spartan receivers you think first about charles rogers and and kirk gibson and then you think you know, recently with Tony Lippett and Aaron Burbridge and, and BJ Cunningham might come up around that sixth or seventh guy that you start thinking about. So people have forgotten about BJ Cunningham, who was a, a really great player. So this award is, is looking for somebody who is a good player, who, who people are sleeping on, who just, you know, he doesn't get talked about in the media. He doesn't get talked about by the fan base, but you know, it's going to go out there and put it, put together a really nice season. And uh, I have four nominees. You have Jacob Slade, the defensive tackle, Dominique Long, the defensive back, uh, Shakur Brown, the corner, and Drew Beasley, the defensive end. I'm just realizing that these are four defensive players. Maybe that speaks to the fan base really talking up the offense a lot more than usual and, and kind of sleeping on this defense that lost a lot of talent here. So what are you thinking about the B.J. Cunningham don't forget about me award. So I, uh, I appreciate the context. I actually misinterpreted this one myself. I had, I had Dominique long because I think he's a guy that a lot of MSU fans aren't really thinking about when they think of who's going to fill the shoes that, you know, obviously the guys we lost last year. Um, But he's got a lot to prove. He's not necessarily a guy that's been making a lot of plays. He's been a special team standout. That's why I really like him. I think with the openings we have on our defense, we're going to see some things from him um, that we haven't in years past, but given the context you added, I made a split decision. I reevaluated my choice and I'm going to go with Shakur Brown. Um, The reason behind that is because he is probably our most experienced corner on the roster. Um, Gervin, obviously, yeah, Gervin got a lot of snaps last year. Um, But Shakur Brown, as bad as our secondary had been for spurts last year, Brown is usually not the guy getting picked on. I know Kalen Gervin had an up and down year last year. Our safeties had an up and down year in coverage and our linebackers. So Shakur Brown was probably the most reliable corner we had on the field last year. Um, And he has that experience under his belt. He's bringing back a or we brought in a coach that obviously a lot of Michigan state fans are really excited about seeing what he can do um, in Harlan Barnett. And I think given his experience, you know, a coach that we're really excited about and just being a leader in that secondary this year, I think he's going to have a huge year. Um, A second, the secondary obviously has been our strength under Harlan Barnett before. And I think he will be him and Xavier Henderson will be the leaders of that group. So expect big things from him. Maybe not a lot of flashy plays, but I think he'll just play a good stout corner on the outside and, uh, you know, force the ball into other areas of our defense. So Um, the BJ Cunningham, don't forget about me award goes to Shakur Brown with 56% of the vote. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Look, uh, and I've even talked, I'm probably guilty of this too. I've talked up this corner group with Julian Barnett and Kalon Gervin and two big time recruits that were excited to see out on the field. Two guys that were, you know, Julian Barnett was a five-star, uh, you know, and, and Kalon Gervin was right there and probably could have been, you know, top 100 type of guy. And Shakur Brown just, you know, went out there quietly went about his business started five games last year and and like you said I mean the defensive backfield had some some bad moments last year but I attribute most of that to two guys Josh Butler love the kid to death he, he's just an all-time MSU just person but he got burned in a lot of deep plays yep. and, and got caught grabbing on a lot of deep pass interference penalties 
And then David Dowell, another player who just had no business being like a deep coverage safety in, in yeah. college football. He, that guy got burned so many times. He was good around the box, but there was no reason he should be covering in deep coverage. He just got burned time and time again. And Shakur Brown just went there and, and went about his business. And I think he's going to continue to do that and find himself in a starting job this year, if we're being honest. So Shakur Brown, 56% of the vote. Jacob Slade uh, with 33% in second place. And we had Dominique Long just edging out Drew Beasley for third with 6%. Drew Beasley, 5% of the vote uh, to round this thing out. So uh, what are your your final takeaways here for the BJ Cunningham Don't Forget About Me Award? Hey, I think I think we're all on the same page. I do like Slade in that defensive tackle spot. Obviously, we, we retained our defensive line coach, Ron Burton. So he's staying in a similar system on the D-line. He's staying, obviously, in the same position. And I expect a lot from the defensive tackles this year. I know they're both new, that neither of them have started. They were, you know, behind Williams and Panashuk for, I think they, Williams and Panashuk started three years in a row. So we haven't seen a lot other than rotational snaps from these defensive tackles. But, you know, staying under the same coach, maintaining that relationship and that experience, I think Slade's going to have a good year. But for all the reasons we already went over, I think Brown is going to be kind of that lockdown outside corner this year. And so moving on here to the Javon Ringer, J.U. Kolkrick, Lightning and Thunder, Best Position Group Award. Another one that doesn't need much explaining here. Javon Ringer and J.U. Kolkrick, if we remember them together, now, Javon Ringer obviously developed himself into a one-man show, workhorse type of back. But when they were together, it was Javon Ringer inside, or in between the 20s making big plays. He was quick, fast, you know, breakaway athlete. And, and J.U. Kolkrick was the just thunder down in the goal line. He had like 18 touchdowns one year. I don't remember the exact number, but felt like any time you got inside the 10, it was his job. So that was a great duo, phenomenal running back room. So we have four groups to choose from. We got the wide receivers, the running backs, the defensive backs, and the defensive line. Scott, where are we going with this one? For me, I was I was torn between the two offensive groups, the wide receivers and the running backs. I think we've got a lot of diverse talent in both rooms. Um, and I think, obviously, there's a lot of snaps up for grabs. Uh, the running back, the starting running back positions, I think, obviously locked down, but Behind that, there's a few guys that are going to be battling for various snaps. Uh, I did go for, with the running back room, I think, um, early in the season at least. The staff is really going to rely on those guys to take the pressure off the quarterback. They're going to be trying to establish the run so that they can play more and play action and get better looks for the quarterbacks. And I think uh, they're just full of talent, and, and they all bring very diverse and very different things to the table. I think it's really well-rounded. Obviously, you have Collins, not quite the Javon Ringer bruiser, but uh, – you know, similar to like a Le'Veon Bell can do a little bit of it all, but really a power one cut back, you know, at his core. Uh, you got Anthony Williams playing that call Kirk role, maybe stretching the field, getting involved in the passing game a little bit. Um, and obviously you've got a couple other guys in Wright and uh, Hayward that are bringing their own uh, skills to the table. So it's a really great, well-rounded group. Obviously, Eli Collins, I think, is going to be the centerpiece of this offense this year, um, probably the offensive MVP. So, yeah, I'm going with the running backs. I think the fans will probably agree with me just because Eli Collins is uh, is that offensive name that's been buzzing around this season. So we do have a envelope here for the Javon Ringer, J.U. Colcrick, Lightning Thunder, Best Position Group Award. It's a tie. We have oh. a tie. The wide receivers and the running backs, both with 42% of the vote, Defensive backs in third with 11%, D-line with just 5% of the vote. Um, so I, as the host, hey, look, this is my podcast. I can do what I want. I'm giving the nod to the wide receivers here uh, because uh, I did do my position group uh, power rankings last week, I believe, and I had the wide receivers as number one. So I got to stay true to that. We'll continue updating that throughout the year as the weeks go by. Uh, but I, I'm going to give the nod to the wide receivers here. Like you, you just have so many guys that do so many different things. Jaden Reed, 
uh, obviously coming in from Western, you have Trey Mosley being that just consistent, reliable guy that, that has big play capability. Jalen Naylor, if he's on the field, is electric. You have Trayvon Morgan, who I think is going to make an impact this year around the red zone. You have just a lot of guys that, you know, CJ Hayes went down with an injury. We're not really sure how long he'll be out. It might be the whole season. You might be back in the middle of the season sometime. And then you got Lares Nelson, a guy I've always liked the skill set. He just hasn't gotten on the field a whole lot, but running backs are great. And this is no knock at them, but I, I'm just going to give the nod to the wide receivers because it's my podcast and I can do whatever the hell I want. And then with that, we're going to move on to the Jeremy Langford surprise award. And this one, uh, again, probably could have used a little bit more context. Jeremy Langford is a guy who I don't think anybody saw what was coming out of Jeremy Langford. He was a, a converted, what he was a converted defensive back to wide receiver and then wide receiver to running back, I believe is how it went. And he, he went out there and put out two 1500 yard seasons and, and led that Michigan state offense with Connor cook to the, you know, Rose bowl. And, and it was just, uh, I, I don't think anybody saw that coming and he kind of came out of nowhere and, and really made a huge impact. So who's going to be that guy this year, last year, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here. I picked Eli Collins as the Jeremy Langford surprise award winner. And I was obviously proven correct by his play. So who's it going to be this year? We have four nominees, Noah Harvey, the linebacker, Trayvon Morgan, the wide receiver, Jacob Slade, the defensive tackle, or Trey Person, the defensive back. Scott, where are we leaning here? Yeah, this is a fun one. Obviously, these are names that I don't think anybody really broke out last year, and that's the point of this award. Uh, all these guys are going to get time. I think some guys will have more of an opportunity to make plays than others. Uh, I'm going to go with Trey Person. Um, I, I think when we did our st statistical leaders predictions uh, a couple weeks ago, we both predicted Trey Person to lead the team in interceptions, staying true to that. If that happens, I mean, I don't think at the end of last season, people necessarily were highlighting Trey Person's name as like, oh, this is the guy to watch next year. But, you know, we brought in a new staff. Scotty Hazleton runs a cover three. So you have that free safety play in basically center field. He's going to have a lot of territory, a lot of opportunities to make plays and a lot of freedom. And I think he's going to see the ball coming his way quite a bit. If he can take that next step and make a lot of plays, I think he's going to have a huge year. Some of these other guys are either going to be fighting for snaps. You look like, like a Trayvon Morgan, who's not going to be on the field every play. Um, he's probably going to have a very niche um, package set up for him, maybe a red zone target or, you know, a third, third and short, you know, somebody who can be real physical and go up and get the ball when you need it, but probably not going to be all over the field. Um, and then you got a couple guys on defense who are going to be playing inside the box. They'll have their chances to make plays, but they're also going to be, you know, bogged down in the, in the scrums quite a bit. So I think Trey person's just going to, like I said, have a ton of opportunity to make plays and uh, play over, all over the field. And what are you going with the fan vote? Ooh, I think probably person, uh, maybe Morgan, just cause he's kind of a trendy uh, a pick because I know the fans love his size and are hoping he will get involved, maybe score, you know, half a dozen touchdowns. If he's really that guy, we're throwing fades to the corner too. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Trey person's going to just see the ball a lot. So we do have a winner for the Jeremy Langford surprise award. And it is Trey person with 37% though. This was a tight race between all four. They had Trey person at 37% Trayvon Morgan, 26 uh, Noah Harvey with 21% and Jacob Slade with 16%. So pretty tight race all around. Um, I have, I'm going to go with Trayvon Morgan would have been my pick just because I, I got a funny feeling that they're going to use this guy around the red zone and look, he might not go for 600 yards, but if he does go for five, six, seven touchdowns, that's a pretty darn big impact. So um, I got a funny feeling about him now look, that might be the same hunch that Cam Chambers is going to be the guy that we all had for like four years, just waiting for the breakout and it never happened. That highly rated, you know, recruit, good size that just never cracked the lineup or um, was it uh, D'Anthony Arnett was another one. And, you know, yeah. there's just a couple of these guys that 
just because you're highly rated doesn't mean that that you're going to make an impact. But Trayvon Morgan at six seven, I just there's no way you can keep that off the field. And so whether it's just a red zone role or not, um, I, I like that. But Trey Person, the winner, and, and somebody I think could make a big impact is that starting free safety in this defense. I'm really intrigued to see the depth chart coming out this week, but um, I, I think that will be the starter at D at uh, free safety, but um, let's move on to one that we should be able to get done real quick here. The Kirk Gibson best athlete award. Obviously we all know Gibby, the all American wide receiver turned into damn near hall of fame, baseball player, obviously an incredible athlete, uh, Kirk Gibson, and so this is going to be the award for the best athlete on the team. You have Julian Barnett, the corner, Jalen Naylor, the wide receiver, Xavier Henderson, the safety, and Antoine Simmons, the linebacker. Scott, who you got as the best athlete on the team? Yeah, this is a fun one. I love watching all four of these guys play. Um, I'm going to go with Julian Barnett, though. And what it really came down to for me is the fact that he has you know, shown the coaches enough to play on both sides of the ball. He's um, switched obviously from wide receiver to well expected to switch back to corner this year. Um, and he's just a really, really well-rounded athlete. Uh, I know Jalen Naylor is going to be a trendy pick here because he's got that explosive athleticism, uh, as far as quickness and speed, but, you know, to me, Barnett really, he has that same quickness and speed and, you know, fast switch ability, but at the same time, he brings physicality and he brings a lot of intelligence to the field. And, I think he's just going to have, you know, the perfect package to play in the Big Ten um, on the defensive side of the ball. And, I mean, just cracking the lineup as a true freshman last year was was impressive enough. So, for me, it's Barnett. I love Simmons here, too. I think he's going to map well to the NFL and the athletic type of linebackers that they are looking for these days. But uh, I've been waiting to see Julian Barnett in his natural position, and uh, we'll get that chance this year, I think. Yeah, and we do have a winner for the Kirk Gibson Best Athlete Award, and it is Julian Barnett with 56% of the vote. Uh, 6'2 corner with, you know, fast twitch, and, you know, like you said, you get him on the field as a true freshman at wide receiver. Definitely not his natural position, definitely not something I think that they were planning on going into the season, but you know, they just took a guy and said, Hey, you're athletic. You'll figure it out. You know, go run this route, get the job done. Antoine Simmons. He was a great running back in high school at Ann Arbor pioneer. Um, he was somebody I was thinking about, but I think that the answer is pretty obvious here with Julian Barnett, the LJ Scott true freshman impact award. Another one that's pretty self-explanatory here. Who's going to make the biggest impact as a true freshman LJ Scott came in as a true freshman and had damn near 800 yards, had that great play against Iowa in the big 10 championship game that, that sent Michigan state to the college football playoff. Who's going to be that guy this year. We have Kyle King, the defensive end, Devin Hightower, the linebacker, Ricky white, the wide receiver and Darius snow, the safety. This is a fun one. It's a, uh hard to predict obviously we haven't seen these guys on the field in college yet um but i'm going with devin hightower and the reason being that i still think the linebacker position group is pretty fluid i don't think they have a really firm grasp on who's going to steal those spots once we get some real in-game you know film and snaps and uh obviously you got darius snow with the pedigree and a couple other guys coming in with a lot of excitement but uh hightower i expect to to see on the field quite a bit and uh I, I love his name. He's got a great football name, especially at his position. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to be exciting to see how this one shakes out. That's an underrated part of, uh, of Devin Hightower's game is an awesome linebacker name. Um, so let's see who wins the, uh, the LJ Scott true freshman impact award goes to Darius snow actually kind of ran away with this one with 63% of the vote. And that doesn't really surprise me. I think, you know, he's got the biggest name, you know, he's obviously got the bloodlines with Percy Snow, the the legendary MSU linebacker. Um, but I, I'm kind of with you there because Darius Snow, I think while being a great player, he plays the same exact role in this defense, I think, that Xavier Henderson is currently yeah. filling. And and as long as Xavier Henderson's healthy, he's not going to leave the field on first, second, or third down. So I don't really see how Darius Snow gets involved this year. Uh, Ricky White. 
Look, he's there's maybe an opening for a spot at wide receiver with CJ Hayes going down. He's really talented. I, I like that that as a as a wide receiver, but I, I would also have gone with Devin Hightower here because of the thin position group. Kyle King maybe at defensive end. Also, if you're looking at the position group, might have the best chance to get out on the field. So the two guys that actually both received just six percent of the vote between Kyle King and Devin Hightower are the two I probably would have gone with Darius snow, the leader with 63% and Ricky white 25% in second place. The Connor cook backup starting by seasons end award. Uh, this one, obviously uh, the, the legendary Connor cook that 2013 season, we forget he wasn't the starter going into that year. That was Andrew Maxwell's job. And it's kind of crazy to say that now, but uh, Tyler, o or, um, Tyler O'Connor, Connor Cook. Yeah, they're basically the same player, right? Connor Cook, Tyler <laughs> O'Connor had the same, uh, same impact at MSU. No, but who's going to hey, be the guy that's State. starting off this season as a backup that we think will be starting by the end of the year, be it by injury or by, uh, you know, just by their play or, or the lack of play in front of them. So we have Nick Samek, the guard, Michael Fletcher, the defensive end, Jess Lord Boateng, the outside linebacker, or Jalen Hunt, the defensive tackle? This one was really tough. Um, I think there's a couple guys who are going to get snaps early in the season in Boateng and Fletcher, uh, just given the fluidity at their position group. But my pick's actually going to be Nick Samak. Uh, he's a guy I've been looking forward to watching on the field quite a bit. And, you know, in offensive line, you just often see a lot of uh, turnover in the position, whether that be unfortunately for in our case a lot of injuries the last couple of years and just generally just trying to find a good fit around the offense we got a new scheme coming in and I think he he's a guard who brings a lot to the table um actually guards probably are a little bit more you know set in our offense than some of the other offensive line spots but I expect big things he's got obviously his red shirt year he's been around the system for a while and I've been looking forward to see him so uh, whether it be hopefully not through injury, hopefully just through solid play, uh, one or the other, I think we'll see him on the field, um, you know, for those first snaps by the end of the year. And the Connor Cook backup starting by the season's end award goes to Michael Fletcher with 47% of the vote. That would have been my pick as well. I, I just think with this staff, you know, Scott, you mentioned earlier, like the, the, tendency that they have to lean towards the athletic guys and there's a pretty clear difference between Michael Fletcher and Drew Beasley when it comes to the athletic profiles so I think Drew Beasley will be out there to start the season I think Drew uh, Michael Fletcher will be out there to finish it uh, second place was Nick Samek with 27 percent of the vote like if you're if you're talking about who's likely to start a game you're probably talking about Nick Samek just due to the injuries we've had on that offensive line Jalen Hunt in third place with 19% and Jess Lord Boateng with just 7% of the vote. I was kind of surprised by that. I think he's got a real shot at that starting job with Chase Klein, but um, I think that one's interesting. We got, let's see here, four more here. We're going to try to run through pretty quick. We got the Jumpin' Johnny Green Rebound Award. Johnny Green, the old uh, legendary MSU basketball player, racked up a lot of rebounds and got the name Jumpin' Johnny Green for his rebounding ability. This is a guy who, or maybe a unit in this case, who struggled last year, who you think is going to rebound to have a good year this year. So you have uh, number one, I, I tried to narrow it down to one guy, but it was impossible. So I just said the entire offensive line. You have Rocky Lombardi. You have Noah Harvey and you have Matt Dotson. Scott, where are we going? Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a fun one. Obviously, if you're, you know, somebody subscribes to Lombardi, taking that next step and leading this team, you may choose him. But I'm going with the O-line uh, for a couple of reasons. I think I, I'm really high on Chris Kapilovich. I've said it in previous podcasts. I think he's one of the better offensive line coaches in the country. He's had success everywhere he's gone. He's put guys into the NFL and he's, He's worked with uh, some spots where they didn't have a lot of talented guys and he still made them uh, thrive. So we fortunately, in my opinion, do have a lot of talented young guys coming up. A uh, few guys that we've been waiting to see break out. You've got guys like Devontae Dobbs and we were just speaking on Nick Samak. I think he's, they've, they've had a year or two in the program to get their bearings and, you know, they're really ready to take that next step and grab the reins. And if we can stay healthy here, I think 
you know, between this O-line and the running game, we're going to, we're going to have a great running attack. Hopefully we'll, we'll, you know, bring some time and space in for whoever's back there at quarterback, but I'm looking forward to seeing this O-line this year. And the jumping Johnny green rebound award goes to the offensive line. I, I kind of knew this was going to be the case as soon as I put it out there, but um, 71% of the vote goes to the O-line, 21% to Rocky Lombardi, 8% to Matt Dotson, thinking he's going to rebound after an injury-filled year last year. And no, the vote's going to Matt Harvey, or Noah Harvey, excuse me. I think a lot of that's due to the fact that most people, for some reason, think Noah Harvey had like this great year last year when he came in and started. I just don't really think that was the case, but um, he's going to be in line for that starting mic job, and we'll see how he plays. But the offensive line's the easy pick here. Like you said, the coaching fit with Chris Kapilovich coming in, I think that's going to be a big deal. And if this group can stay pretty healthy, I'm not asking 100% health. That doesn't happen anywhere in football, but if they can stay relatively healthy, I think they should have a nice year on that offensive line. Hopefully, Rocky Lombardi is the correct answer here, but um, I, I just think the offensive line's got a better shot with the coaching change and everything that's involved there. The next award is the Middle Tennessee State Upset Award. Um, usually, this award is going to a game that we are likely to get upset by somebody else, like uh, Middle Tennessee State. Hopefully, we've all blocked that out of your memory. But if you haven't, I'm sorry for bringing it back in. Um, but this year, really, there's not four teams that I think we're going to be favored against on our schedule. So, I broke it up. I got two games that we have a chance of them upsetting us. And we got two games where we have a chance at upsetting them. And I gave four options here that I, I wanted to make. I wanted to make you think, um, look, if I think we're not going to be favored, I think we're going to be underdogs against Indiana. I think we're going to be underdogs against Iowa. I think those are very winnable games though. And I think that, you know, those would be the easy picks here. I wanted to really challenge you to say, okay, what's more likely to happen? We lose to a really bad team or that we beat a really good team. So we have four options here versus Rutgers at Maryland. Of course, those being the two games that they would be upsetting us, two bad teams that we should be favored against. And two games uh, where we will definitely be the underdogs. You have versus Ohio State and at Penn State. Scott, what do you think is more likely? You did definitely make me think on this one. Um, none of these are easy choices. Um, I think two of them I can narrow out right away. You know, you have Maryland. I just do not see us or anyone else in the Big Ten, for that matter, losing to them this year. Um, and then Ohio State, I don't see us or anyone else in the Big Ten beating them this year. So those two are off the board. So then you're looking at a loss versus Rutgers this Saturday or a win at Penn State. Now, both still pretty hard to envision, um, but I'm just going to go with the optimistic choice here with the win at Penn State. I think, um, and you'll hear obviously more about my game picks this week in the other episodes, but I think this team's going to surprise people. I think there was a lot of negativity after Mark D'Antonio stepped down. We hired Mel Tucker, and obviously everybody knows the, you know, the conditions that we've been facing throughout this offseason. So I think there's been a lot of expectation that it's going to be or there was anyway a lot of expectation that it was going to be a really bad year I think we actually probably went down that road a little bit too deep as a fan base I, I think we still have a lot to look forward to that a lot of people lost sight of so I do think we may pull off some some bigger wins that we're not expected to so I'm going to go with a win at Penn State Penn State's a team that typically they're really good but they've been known to drop a couple games every couple seasons that uh, they they probably shouldn't have against teams like us who they may be overlooking. So keep an eye on that one late in the season. Maybe their, uh, you know, high power offense is slowed down a bit by the weather or something else. And uh, we catch a couple breaks on the road. So the, the uh, middle Tennessee state upset award, we have one that is actually pretty surprising to me at Penn state, the winner with 53% of the vote, uh, 27% going to Maryland, 13% to Rutgers, and 7% to Ohio State. 
And I just wanted to make it clear that I, I think this is probably the case. I think at Ohio State is or at Penn State winning that game is the most likely of these four situations. But I I just want it to be known, and I keep saying it over and over again, but people, Maryland sucks. I don't know how to say that any more clearly. The fact that Maryland has 27% of this vote and Rutgers has 13% makes no sense to me. I think people see that Maryland name and for some reason associated with like good football, even though Maryland hasn't been good in God knows how long it's probably been about the same amount of time as Rutgers. Like they haven't been good in forever. They were terrible last year. Their head coach is a joke. I would be so embarrassed if we lost that game. So just please people get that idea out of your head that Maryland is for some reason, like some kind of sleeper team in the big 10, but at Ohio State wins this, or at Penn State, excuse me, at Penn State wins this one. Two left here. We have the Tony Mandarich Highest Drafted Player Award. This one's very near and dear to my heart as somebody who follows the NFL draft way too closely for my own health. Tony Mandrich, of course, the number two overall pick uh, back in the 80s to the Green Bay Packers. He was the incredible bulk. He was blowing up the combines and uh, ended up, finding out that he did a shitload of steroids, but that's okay. He's still our guy. We have four choices here. We have Antoine Simmons, the linebacker, Naquan Jones, the senior defensive tackle, Jacob Panishuk, the senior defensive end, and an underclassman here that I think is probably unlikely to come out, but it certainly has the opportunity, and that's the safety. Xavier Henderson. Scott, who do you think's getting drafted the highest out of these four guys? Yeah, I touched on it a little or alluded to it a little bit earlier. Um, Antoine Simmons game maps to the NFL with the direction that that league is going right now. He's got a great combination of athleticism and size. He can play inside or outside and he can cover in space. And I think the NFL scouts are just going to have their eyes on this guy from game one. Um, Obviously, he's gotten a lot of attention last year coming into this season. We know he's the cornerstone of our defense this year. And I think our coaching staff is going to make it a point to get him in space free him up off of assignments so he can just go make plays. And yeah, I think he just maps well to the NFL. So um, obviously everybody's looking forward to seeing it and hopefully he can live up to those expectations. And the Tony Mandrich highest drafted player award goes to Antoine Simmons, 56% of the vote. I think this is a, I think Naquan Jones is going to make a real run at this. I think he's a 340-pound defensive tackle with a pretty quick first step. But the the fact of the matter is Antoine Simmons is a linebacker in today's football that can go out there and cover a running back, cover a tight end. And in a real pinch, if he's in a zone with a wide receiver, he can hang with him. So I, I think he's just going to translate really well to the NFL. He reminds me a lot of Miles Jack of the Jacksonville Jaguars out of UCLA. Um, just a very similar size and athletic profile and the way they play the game. And Antoine Simmons, he gets in the backfield. He's playing all over the all over the line of scrimmage. He's making plays in pass coverage. I just think the NFL is going to love his game. I think he's got a real shot at being a second or third round pick. And I don't think that's just being, you know, green glasses from MSU. I think, you know, I'm starting to see his name pop up out there. So I think he's he's got a real shot at this this year. Naquan Jones, I definitely expect to be drafted. Uh, I'm not really sure. It's going to depend a lot on how he plays this year as the first year as his full-time starter. So I have seen his name pop up nationally, though, on on some mock drafts and some you know draft guys uh, when they're doing their position rankings. I've definitely seen his name out there, though, so he's on the radar. Now, last up, kind of the MVP type of award, the Kirk Cousins Can't Live Without Him Award. Obviously, Captain Kirk meant so much to this program, to this team, to Mark D'Antonio's tenure. And and without Kirk Cousins, I don't know if we have anywhere near the amount of success that we found under Connor Cook. So he was so impactful to this program under Mark D'Antonio. Who is going to be the guy this year that we just can't live without? The MVP, the guy that, you know, whether you think it's the most talented, whether you think he's the most productive, the guy that the team would fall apart without him. You have Elijah Collins, the running back. Xavier Henderson, the safety, Antoine Simmons, the linebacker, and Jacob Panishuk, the defensive end. Scott? Yeah, for me, it, it comes down to the two cornerstones, one on either side of the ball. You got Eli Collins and you got Antoine Simmons. I mean, these are the two guys coming out of last season. Everybody knew we were going to be relying on 
Um, and for me, it just comes down to the fact that Antoine Simmons, I think, has a more broad role on his side of the ball. Eli Collins obviously is going to be a huge part of our offense, but at the end of the day, he is a running back. He's only going to get the ball when he has his number called. And Antoine Simmons, like we said, is probably going to have an enormous amount of freedom in this defense to play all over the field. And that's with that freedom comes, you know, a lot of responsibility and a lot of expectations. And, you know, you alluded to it the way I approached this question is what would really put a dagger in this team if we lost this guy or if this guy did not perform up to expectations. I think with Eli Collins, we have a few guys behind him that would, you know, as a committee approach, not necessarily replace him, but, you know, plug the hole. Whereas if we lose Antoine Simmons in an already thin, unproven position group, um, I'd be real nervous heading into each Saturday to see what the defense looks like. So I think we're really, like I said, going to rely on this guy. He's probably going to be the MVP of this team. He's going to make plays in every corner of the field. And uh, yeah, we literally just can't live without him. And the Captain Kirk can't live without him award goes to the linebacker Antoine Simmons. I agree completely with this one. Um, like you said, I think it does come down to those two, but if we lose Eli Collins, it's going to suck. But there is a group of talented players who can fill a role. Anthony Williams has that kind of game breaker, Brandon Wright and, and Connor Hayward can plod their way down the field without Antoine Simmons, that linebacker group is real shaky and the defense as a whole takes a big step back. Now, Xavier Henderson, I think, is interesting because his role in this defense is so impactful, and without him, he's so talented, and who's going to be that guy that could fill that spot? And Jacob Panishuk, I thought, was interesting because when he opted out, you took a look at this team and said, oh boy, that defensive line lost every single starter. He was the only starter returning from that defensive line, and, and Naquan Jones, obviously, took a lot of snaps last year. He's a lot of experience, but without Jacob Panishuk, I w- I started looking at this D line like, Oh boy, this is going to be rough. Drew Beasley is going to be counted on as the number one guy potentially as a pass rusher. Like that's a problem. And, and so getting him back, it really gave me this sigh of relief of like, like, okay, we're, we're going to be all right on the D line. I think with, with Panishuk and Jones, I think we're going to be okay. But without him, like it, it just that opt out really gave me a, a good look at how impactful Panishuk was, because, again, in the context of like if we lost one of these four guys who makes the biggest impact and losing Panishuk, that was a reality for a second there. And it was a really scary one. So I, I'm really glad he's back and I think he's going to make a big impact. But again, if we're choosing one of these guys. I think Antoine Simmons is that guy. So I'm glad that the fans agree uh, with Antoine Simmons as the Kirk Cousins can't live without him award winner. That's all we got here for the superlatives episode. Um, Scott, before we get out of here, any last thoughts as, as we finish this thing up? No, I mean, it's been, it's been fun. Obviously I think the excitement around this year is just having so many unanswered questions. Obviously it's a little bit scary uh, without ever seeing this team or this coaching staff or anything. We, there's a lot of uh, questions that if they're not answered in the right way could lead to some pretty dark uh, situations, but uh, you know, we choose to, we choose optimism here on the standing room Spartans podcast. And uh, I'm excited to see how all these shake out. Uh, It's just going to be a really exciting year regardless of how many wins we have. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Every one of these uh, awards is going to be really fun to follow, but uh, as always, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's these superlatives are always a fun thought experiment, whether you like them or not, it's fun to think about some of these topics and um, give it to you in a little bit of a different way with, with the context. So appreciate everybody for listening. Follow on Twitter at standing room MSU follow Scott on Twitter at Spartan Martin 18. Uh, follow on Instagram, Standing Room Spartans. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't already as we're going to roll through the season here. Uh, if you have not already, also please leave me a review on Apple Podcast. It really does help me get my name out there. Um, it helps promote the podcast. So a written review does mean a big deal for uh, the, the ratings on the podcast. 
Uh, I've had a couple here recently. Actually, let's let's just read one off because I just got one uh, last week here from SL Brownie, my guy Scott Brown, who will be on the podcast relatively soon. Hopefully, we find a time. Former MSU football player. He said, it's a must listen if you're an MSU football fan. Kevin has incredible knowledge of the current program as well as the history of MSU football. So I appreciate you, Scott. Uh, We have LW Baker 33, uh, probably my guy, Luke Baker. uh, Also recently said this podcast offers deep analytics about MSU football that are very interesting to listen to as a fan. Kevin always knows what he's talking about and offers good insight. So I appreciate you guys out there. Um, Keep pouring in those Apple podcast reviews. It really does help me out. And if you want to ask a question for any mailbag segment that we can put at the beginning of any episode, feel free to do that in there or on Twitter, wherever you want. Uh, But thank you guys so much for listening as we kick off the super big, awesome, fantastic, amazing week kickoff week we're finally here saturday at noon can't wait and let's get this thing rolling take care folks